Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.simbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? As we get ready for the final game that basically puts, the, puts an end to the first half of the season for our beloved, we do have to uh, talk about this game between the Bears uh, and the Steelers. One more hurdle to clear. Uh, before we get a break from uh, from this, and um, you know what, it's it's going to be a weird week. I didn't talk to uh, my guest uh, Christopher Carter from Locked On Steelers uh, about this, but it's definitely something uh, I'm, I'm going to talk more heavily about tomorrow uh, in the in the preview show. But um, you know, kind of kind of like uh, you know, maybe this is something I'll poll on Twitter uh, today while we're while I'm pre- prepping for tomorrow's episode, but, uh, you know, are, are, are there people that are outwardly hoping that the bears lose on Monday so that the front office will use the bye week to cut Matt Nagy and, you know, maybe Chris Tabor takes over as interim head coach for the rest of the year. Maybe they move, uh, Mike Pettin who has actual head coach experience, uh, to the front of the line so all the coordinators can stay in place uh, kind of thing. You know, is that something that people are outwardly rooting for going into this game uh, on Sunday, or will it be like me? This is more of a silver lining uh, if that happens, uh, you know, if the Bears lose, which I don't want them to, uh, but if it does happen, it, it'd be more of a silver lining than something that I'm outwardly rooting for uh, throughout the game on uh, on Monday night. So, 
I think I'm going to pull that uh, on Twitter. Uh, so if you if you're here listening to this now, go on go on Twitter right now. The poll should be up. Tell me whether or not you're rooting for the Bears to lose uh, for this uh, for this game on Monday. So it will increase our increase the likelihood that the Bears will fire Nagy during the bye week. So we'll see about that. But. Oh, we're going to preview this game. Uh, our good friend Chris Carter from uh, Locked On Steelers was kind enough to come on to the, the show, and we talked about this matchup, the weird history that it has that's been thoroughly dominated uh, by the Bears. I think in the entire series between the Bears and the Steelers, it, it's only like 15 games uh, or something like that because we only play each other once every three or four years. Um, you know, so, I mean, with the Steelers being around since the – what, the 70s, 60s? No, it was the 70s. What the hell am I talking about? They've been around a lot longer than that, actually. But as far as uh, when they started playing the Bears and, and whatnot, it's, it's, a, it's a small sample size compared to, you know, the 180th matchup between the Bears and the, uh, you know, Packers and things like that. But um, the Bears have a heavily lopsided win-loss record uh, over the uh, – over the Steelers and, and you're, you're wondering slash hoping, uh, that, uh, you know, maybe that, that history will kick in and the bears can sneak in a win before the bye so that the complete, so the season's not completely down the tubes if, and when we lose, uh, on Monday. So I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to kind of come at this game, you know, whether, whether you're just thinking about 2021, whether you're thinking big picture as far as, you know, moving on from Nagy and uh, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot riding on this game uh, on Monday. And unfortunately, I wasn't really in the headspace thinking about that when talking to uh, Chris. So we'll feature that more heavily tomorrow uh, on the deep dive preview, getting ready uh, for the matchup. But I did have, uh, you know, when I did talk to Chris uh, this afternoon or yesterday afternoon, I should guess by the time you guys are listening to this, um, you know, we talked about these these teams that have kind of roller coastered their way through the first seven, eight games of the season. You know, the Steelers with the, you know, were not highly thought of coming into the season and they go week one on the road, they beat Buffalo. It was like, whoa, okay. Maybe the Steelers are going to be legit this year. Then they list that off by losing three straight after that, but have rebounded with three straight victories, including a win on the road this past Sunday uh, against the uh, Cleveland Browns. So they're sitting at four and three right now uh, when we entering this matchup with us. And, uh, you know, it, it, we kind of talk about what struggles the, the Steelers have gone through to get to this point and uh, to have an opportunity to be with because they have the Bears this week and then they have the Lions next week. They have an opportunity to be six and three, and I forget who they're playing uh, week eleven. But uh, when they they'll be six and three with going into a very big matchup that they have week eleven. I don't, I don't know if it's the Ravens or, or, or you know the Chiefs or something uh, like that. But it's it's a big matchup um, that uh, you know if if they could book these two wins between. Uh, the Bears and the Lions and things like that, they'd be in a good spot, you know, having started one and three to be six and three and, uh, you know, before the basically the second half of the season starts to roll downhill on us, it would they would be in a good spot uh, to do so. But, you know, this team has its strengths, it has its weaknesses. We talked to Chris uh, about that. So why don't we go ahead and get into the interview with our good friend Christopher Carter from Locked On Steelers. This is the week nine preview episode of the Bear Underground. So let's get to it. 
game before our beloved head into the bye is a trip out on the road Monday night football to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers and here to help us preview this matchup between these two teams having very odd seasons right now from locked on Steelers Christopher Carter Chris welcome back to the show man thanks for having me it's always good to be here Larry well you know when we spoke over the summer um you know like I, I relayed to you that because the Steelers were the uh, AFC North champs in 2020, you were the last of the four teams that I had spoken to uh, when I was doing my opponent preview series going into the summer. And mm-hmm. um, having spoken with the Bengals and the Browns and the uh, Ravens, none of those three had a very high opinion of what the Steelers could possibly be in 2021. All of them were down on the Steelers, which, you know, big surprise. There, you were the only one that had any optimism whatsoever for the Steelers. Then we come to week one. You go on the road to Buffalo, who's going to go into the season as a AFC champion contender and beat them in their own house. And everyone's like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, so maybe the Steelers Mm -hmm. are going to be the Steelers again. Then weeks two, three and four happen where you lose at home to the to the Raiders at home to the Bengals. And then you go on the road and lose to Green Bay. And all of a sudden, that week one euphoria is now a one and three start. And then you rattle off three wins, you know, but, you know, two weeks in a row. Then you go on the bye. Then this past Sunday, you go to Cleveland and beat the Browns. So what's the deal with the, uh, with the, with the Steelers? You got that week one win against Buffalo, then three straight losses. Now you got three straight wins heading into uh, week number nine. Well, you know, it's a lot of growing pains, a lot of things that they expected to deal with, with the uh, young offensive line. You know, they, they replaced basically everyone. Chakuma Korpo was really the only returning starter. Uh, Zach Banner, I guess, technically did, but he was hurt mo- all of last year. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they needed Kendrick Green, the rookie center, Dan Moore Jr., the rookie left tackle, uh, Kevin Dotson, a second-year left guard, and the free agent edition Trey Turner. They needed those guys to gel. And you saw it early on in the games. I think Roethlisberger was getting hit like 11 times a game mm. in their first in their first few games and then that is now dipped down to like seven times a game still a good bit but um you know they're they're getting better and they're also opening holes for Najee Harris with who has been everything and more that the Steelers expected him to be with their first round pick um but you know I think a big story of this part that uh people overlook is how injured the Steelers were in those three games, you know, and then not to say that that's an excuse, but it's just a reality that we all knew this, this team was going to be heavily based in being able to play elite defense and, sh- and keeping the opponent to, you know, under, you know, to around or under 20 points of scoring, which they did against the Browns. They did against the bills, which are their two biggest wins on the season. Um, and in doing, in, in getting those type of wins and getting those type of performances, you know, you're looking and you're you're seeing like, man, T.J. Watt just getting after it. Cam Hayward getting after it. Alex Highsmith, you know, teaming up with those guys. You know, Joe Hayden is you know is solid and covered. And you're seeing, you know, across the board, you're having guys who can be responsible and play assignment football. And during those losses, you know, T.J. Watt was out for I think like for like two games, and Alex Highsmith was out, Joe Hayden was out, Devin Bush was out. 
And all of a sudden, this elite defense became like a eh, maybe not so elite. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 that's but and see here's the and here's the issue that I do think the Steelers really run up against, which is one reason I said you know I, I'm optimistic that they'll be better than people think, but I'm you know I'm not picking them to like go to the Super Bowl or anything. Is this that I think with their fully healthy defense and the, and then certain players on offense, this Steelers team can beat anyone in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. In the NFL, you have to be ready for the war of attrition that, get, that that comes with injuries, and the Steelers are just in a position where if certain guys go down on defense, um, it, it, it starts to put them in a hole that they cannot dig themselves out of. Whereas, like you know, if you're if you're the Rams right now and you lose Cooper Cup, you're like, oh well, okay, you still got Daryl Henderson. Well, if you lose Cooper Cup and Daryl Henderson, well, you still got that that defense that you keep adding pieces to. Yeah. So like you know, there's. And vice versa, if you lose Aaron Donald, it's a huge blow, but you have all these other weapons on both sides of the ball. Whereas the Steelers, they have really good players on the other side of the ball, but they're still figuring out what to do on offense to make them good. So I think that's been a part of it is just being healthy and being available and dealing with the ups and downs. It's also important to remember that all the teams that they've lost to are playing very well right now. Yeah. I mean, before that loss to the Jets, the, the, the Bengals were 5-2 and two and the number one seed in the AFC the Packers right now are the number one seed in the NFC, and the Raiders have played very good football for a lot this season. So it, it wasn't like they lost to like last year's Bengals or you know the Detroit Lions or anything like that, <laughs> or the New York Jets themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, but but I think it's just it's been a mixed bag of growing, but I do think that they are trending upward with the way the offensive line is playing, especially. Well, that was going to be my next question when you talked about who, you know who the wins and losses came against. Is when you look at it. You know, on the surface, week two losing to the Raiders, initially that wasn't a good look. But they're five and mm-hmm. two uh, right now because they were on the bye this week. So they're five and or last week they're they're five and two right now. You lost to Cincinnati, that wasn't a good look. But like you just said, until they lost to the Jets, they were five and two, top seed in the AFC. You know, contending for mm-hmm. the division and whatnot. And then of course, like you said, the, the Packers are seven and one, and then your wins come against Denver. And Seattle, uh, a not so good Denver team, a, a Seattle team ravaged by injuries and and poor play, and then Cleveland, which has been struggling at best to stick around the five hundred mark uh, this year. So it's like you lost to the aside from the Buffalo win, you lost to the good teams and you beat the okay teams or the bad ones uh, and everything. Is I mean, are, are people reading into it like that? Is like, oh well, then we're going to be like an okay middle of the road team because we struggle against the good teams, but we're okay against the not-so-good? Well, I think people are also looking into it just as how they're playing in each of these games because it's also been different things that have won those games. You know, the defense has been a part of each of those wins, but, you know, the running game, getting back into it with Najee Harris has really helped, you know, win some of those games. But, you know, a couple of big plays here and there from, from uh, Ben Roethlisberger to Deontay Johnson has helped in some of those games against the Broncos. It was it, it, was, it was important. Um, you know, Chase Claypool has, has been up and down, but when he's been up, he's been a big asset to, he was a big asset in that, in that Brown, in that Broncos win, excuse me. Um, he was a decent asset against the Browns. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of just been, they're fig, they're kind of figuring out, you know, how to win in different ways, you know, from the ways that they've been used to. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think that just about four or five years ago, you're talking about, the best running back in football, the best wide receiver in football, a top offensive line and a franchise quarterback at his prime. And all of that is gone. Yeah. And now you're trying to rebuild, but they're, they are finding things like this is actually, like, I had, I had the Steelers offensive line starting to show its first positive signs by week eight. Like this, this week against the Browns, 
that would have been, that was the time I said like, okay, this is when we'll start to see improvement. But we really started to see improvement from this group against the Packers, even though they lost that game. That was when I started to see, okay, these guys are learning how to block together. They're learning when to fire off. They're learning when to how to pass guys off in pass protection. And over the, like, every week since, they've gotten better and better slowly and slowly. And now they're starting to become like a better offensive line group uh, to block for Najee Harris and to protect Ben Roethlisberger. And that's been a big factor in some, in some of these wins. And whereas, yes, you can say Seahawks without Russell Wilson, obviously struggling team. Uh, Broncos, just not a good team. Though when they played them, the Broncos had a good record, and everyone was like, "Oh, I don't know, the Steelers might lose that one." Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, so they 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 they, they played that game, and then you play the Browns, who you know, I, I told everyone before the season, everyone wanted to say they're AFC champs, they're gonna come in, this is their year. I'm like, man, do y'all ever watch the Browns? This is what they do, and not only do they lose, but now you're sitting here on a Wednesday and you're seeing just chaos just breaking out in their camp. I'm like, this is, this is the Browns organization. This is why I, you know, I never put stock in, in, in even temporary success for them. Um, you know, I, they're, they're one that when, when failures start to happen, they don't respond well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now you see Odell Beckham Jr. Starting to, you know, find his way out rifts between the team and questions what's going on. You know, it's kind of crazy. And, and, and risks happen. Like, the Steelers just had to jettison Melvin Ingram for a six-round pick. That's not what they wanted to do. But right. Melvin, you know, came in and said, I want more time. They said, you're not better than Alex Tyson. And he said, okay, trade me. They said, okay, fine. So at least they got some compensation for him. Like, they got some compensation for Antonio Brown when he went ballistic. <laughs> um, but, you know, but the, but the Browns in that situation, you know, it, it's tough. But, you know, the Steelers, they've been, they've been doing what they're supposed to do the last few games. Now it's a matter of can they keep building in that direction? And all of a sudden, you know, they play the Bears and the Lions. If they can run the ball, they can play. I'm not overlooking any, any either team because the Steelers aren't really good enough to do that. And really no team is in the NFL. But, I mean, they're, they're staring at an opportunity to claw their way to 6-3. and three, And who would have said that when they were on a three-game losing streak a couple weeks ago? Right. Yeah, I mean, they're in a, they're in a good spot uh, right now. Uh, the, the funny thing that is, you know, going into this, is matchup is that you know when when uh, whenever you kind of look back on the the history of this matchup between the Bears and the Steelers, it is oddly one sided as far as wins mm-hmm. and losses. And the funny thing is, it's oddly one sided on the Bears side of things, even though it's the Steelers yeah. that have been you know in the last forty years plus that have been the more traditional perennial powerhouse in the playoffs winning super bowls and and things like that the the record last i checked was like 12 and 1 13 and 1 and that one victory was in 05 we talked about that over the yeah. the summer your jerome bettis uh photo uh thing you know where he's running over erlacher mm-hmm. to get into the end zone and everything that's like the one win in the series over i don't know how long that goes you know how long i don't know if that's like 13 and 1 in the last x amount of matchups or if that's the series itself, because I know the Bears and the Steelers don't play each other that often, but you know, and and it has no rhyme or reason for the Bears to just keep winning. Because a lot of the wins that we've gotten, at least in in recent memory, like the Steelers, way better than the Bears going into those games. But for some reason, the Bears come away with victories, which has got me oddly, you know, somewhat optimistic about this game on Monday that despite the way that we've been playing for one reason or another in the NFL, when one team just has another one's number, those you can throw the record books out like the dolphins for whatever reason have beaten the bears twice when they were going to like in 85 and in 2006, 
We went to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. lost our first game of the year to the Dolphins in both of those seasons. Who the hell knows why, but we did. And the Dolphins always seem to have the Bears number no matter what. And I guess the Bears have the Steelers number? Just going back and looking at the series, like on paper, the Bears should have lost those games most more times than not, and yet they come away with the win over the Steelers in, in those crazy – it's like the 2017 matchup, the one in Chicago – with the mm-hmm. the blocked field goal at, that didn't happen yeah. because so and so ran our guy down because he just decided to pull up with ten yards to go and, and all that kind of stuff. It's been a crazy crazy game between these these two teams, and we get to watch it on national TV on Monday. So, oh, yeah, it's definitely a crazy 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 history there. Yeah. I mean, I was I've been there for actually for a few of them now. I went to the I was I was in Chicago for that one because that was also. You know, people often forget that was the famous Villanueva game where he was elected not yes. to come come out of the tunnel. That's right. And uh, and I, I I can tell you from my sources that caused major rifts within the locker room just in the middle of that game. Um, I remember going into the locker room and like the guys didn't want to talk. Like it, it is very rare. Like even after losses, like a lot of a lot of them would open up, but like it was there was a lot going on there. And I think that definitely contributed to it as well. But like you said, just odd, like the blocked field goals, all this, all that, just odd things that happened there. Um, I, I will say in 2013, the Steelers, that was right around the time when they were still figuring out who the heck they were. You know, that was, uh, um, you know, that was, I think it was 2013 or 2012. 13. Uh, it was, it was no, 13. 2013. That was 2013. Because yeah. I was, I remember I was there as a fan in Heinz Field for that one. And, uh, you know, and that was like the first night that Antonio Brown went ballistic with like three touchdowns and that was when like I think I think everyone realized oh wait a second he's gonna be really good yeah. um you know but but the, but the defense was really bad they were still figuring things out and at the time before that was 2009 yeah that was an odd year just coming off the Super Bowl win right. they had a you know, with Polamalu down they didn't know how to even play defense without him um so I mean it's it's all it's always been something weird on the Steelers end the yeah. Bears have been good at capitalizing on those things and that's that's what you got to do in those situations is when, when a team's off and the, like, like, like with the Browns, you know, the Browns, right. You know, like this past week, you know, there was just talk about is, can Baker play? Is there, is there doubt in Baker's play and all this stuff? Steelers don't have to care about, about if there's doubts, you know what, just go out and play your game. Yeah. And if you get the dub against a team like that, it counts the same just as any other dub. So, um, you know, so, I mean, the Bears, Bears have done that the last, what three times these teams have met? So, like that, yeah. uh, but it, it is funny. We we spoke to uh, we spoke to Ben Roethlisberger Wednesday at the Steelers practice facility, and uh, someone brought up, you know, is like, hey, so like, you know, this is you know probably the last time you'll ever play the Bears. Do you ever think about that? Uh, um, that you know that that first time you played the Bears, and he was like, actually, I was just you know t- talking to Najee Harris about that picture of Jerome and and Erlacher. and so. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny how things come full circle sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is an iconic uh, photo, man. I mean, you know, uh, especially, I mean, just an, an iconic moment. The, I mean, just the, the like a snapshot of that particular game. Mm-hmm. The, the Bears had the number one defense uh, in the NFL in 05. I mean, they had mm-hmm. a, just that. Just, I nasty. go back and, oh, man. There were like eight to ten games where the opponent scored seven points or less in 20 in 2005 we were on an eight game winning streak coming into into that game mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and we just had no answer uh for for jerome and and, and for that defense actually the defense carved us up pretty good because uh, despite winning eight in a row we were averaging like 13 points a game but it was enough because of that defense you know and right, uh right. you know and then it's like the cherry on top being 
Jerome Bettis, who's who I think like his career had been reduced to, uh, you know, like, hey, we're at the five yard line. Get Jerome in the game, you know, and then Willie yeah. Parker. Yep. Willie Parker was handling the, you know, from between the five and the five. But when Jerome's in the five yard, like. Uh, you know, Jerome Bredis, his finish, his fantasy stats were three carries for three yards and three touchdowns, uh, kind yep, of thing. That literally that, happened. Yeah, in 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 that point of his uh, career, and he he had like a hundred yard day against the Bears that day. I mean, it was just one of those weird days. It was snowing in November, and you know, it was all that kind of stuff. So it was. Uh, I remember that day very very well because I was I had a feeling I was like, man, the Steelers, that one's going to be tough. We've won eight in a row, so we're bound to lose one eventually. And sure enough. Uh, that was the one. So, but let's talk about these match these teams uh, now. So, I mean, looking at just t- taking a look at the win loss records here, uh, the theme seems to be if the Steelers keep you under twenty, it's a win. Uh, if you go more than twenty, it's a loss basically. So the Bears have to score twenty points if we want to win. Because I think the only exception to the rule would be the twenty three to twenty win over Seattle. Everybody else is uh, under 20, uh, 17, or excuse me, yeah, 19 for Denver, 16 for Buffalo, and 10 this past weekend for the, for the, for the Browns. And, um, you know, 20 seems like is, is a lot. The, the good news for the Steelers, 20 is a lot for the Bears. This past Sunday, scoring 22 against the 49ers in a losing effort is only the second time we've scored that many points all season. So, um, yeah. Because our victory over the Bengals was twenty to seven. Twenty, was it twenty? Yeah, twenty to seventeen. Uh, you know, and our victory over the Raiders was twenty to nine. Our win over the the the, the point total that that's king right now is twenty four against the Lions. So that's asking a lot of our offense right now to score more than twenty points against the Steelers, especially since you guys are so good on defense and our offensive line is shaky in pass protection, and you have one of the better pass rushers in the NFL right now. Yeah, that's the big thing with the Steelers right now is their style of winning is playing stifling defense, aggressive defense, um, and getting after the quarterback. Stop, stuff the run, and then blitz the quarterback, and then and then and not even blitz it. I'll, I'll take that back. It's not blitzing the quarterback; it's rushing the quarterback because they don't no. even blitz anymore. I mean, the, the Steelers actually are. I think they blitz the fourth lowest percentage of you know passing plays in the NFL when it looks at all defenses according to Pro Football Reference. Um, you know, I was looking at those numbers, but the, but despite doing that, they they don't blitz. You know, that often they bring the third most pressures and hurries in the NFL right now, and it's because they've got CJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith really getting after it. Um, they're still missing Stephon Tuitt, the guy who had, he was a defensive tackle at 11 sacks last year, and he's he's been a huge part of this defense for the past few years. Not having him has been you know difficult, but they've found ways to make it work up front. And uh, they're still going to be getting after it. That's going to be their biggest factor in this game too. Is can they can they you know keep the run game in check? Can they get after Justin Fields, make him uncomfortable, and make him make poor decisions? Um, and, and one thing that Mike Tomlin talked about in his Tuesday press conference this week, when I when we asked him about stuff, he was talking about you know the, the things that the defense has to do better now is leverage and coverage, and that's. You know, one of the biggest questions for the Steelers season was how would they address their secondary? Mike Hilton went to the Bengals. Steven Nelson went to the Eagles. So those are that's a start. That's a starting slot cornerback and their number two cornerback both gone, and they've had new guys replacing both of them. And they, they've done okay jobs, but there's been times where they've kind of lost a guy in the wrong moment, giving up a third down conversion and things like that. Where is it as if they had uh, if they had at least applied the proper leverage on a play? 
you know, it would have been that much harder of a target to get the ball to. So the biggest thing for the defense is can they keep growing to play at this, play at this level that they know they can play? Because they're very confident they can play there. Um, but they've got to be more consistent on a few things. If they are, I think they, they stand a really good chance against any team because they have the talent to really crush the line of scrimmage, and they do have athletes behind the line of scrimmage, well, you know, in the secondary and in coverage who can move around, make big plays, and turn games around for them. Is there anything that they're susceptible to uh, on defense, like something that, that teams have success with pretty much week in uh, and week out? I'd say one thing are the uh, zone runs to the outside. If you can run stretch plays that force uh, the Steelers' defense to kind of be accountable for multiple gaps and, and have a running and have a running back who can be patient enough but have the urgency to, to burst through a gap when they see it, that can call, that can force tough tougher decisions for their defense. I also will say they are really thin up front right now. You know, not just Stephon to it, but Tyson Olualu, who was supposed to kind of be the guy who held it down and still to a return, uh, he had to get surgery, so he's been out for he'll, he'll, he's out out for several more weeks, maybe even the whole season. Um, and that's forced other guys to step up on the interior defensive line, and you know they they've had a, they've had some hard games, they've had some good games. This last game against the Browns, like, they were really on point, stuffing the run, um, but. That's certainly been a factor there, uh, you know. And now with Melvin Ingram gone to the Chiefs, you know, if Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt get hurt, that's a major issue. Um, but I will also say I do think that if you're if you're if you're trying to give um, if you're trying to give Justin Fields some easier looks, you got to run some RPOs. You got to see if you can get them to drop into zone, and then trust him to just be able to patiently but, but urgently throw through into the soft spots of those zones to give yourself the best chances and test that leverage that Mike Tomlin was talking about. Yeah, I uh, I worry about that because uh, the last three weeks uh, we have gone into each of those games against the – now granted the first two were the Buccaneers and the – or the Packers and the Buccaneers, and last week was the 49ers, but the tail of the tape was all three of those teams were ravaged by injuries in the secondary. Like they were literally pulling guys off the street and, you know, signing guys day of the game from the practice squad to to either start or be heavy contributors. And the Bears failed to test either of those secondaries in those three games. So I don't know because it's it's one thing to try and fail, but it's another thing entirely not to try at all. And we haven't really seen the Bears doing much as far as using our running game to our advantage in trying to create some play action um, opportunities and things like that to give Fields, who's much better at with deep ball accuracy and and finding because that game he had against the Lions, that was the Justin Fields blueprint right there. He was five, Darnell Mooney five catches, hundred twenty five yards in that game. Even Allen Robinson had like sixty seven yards uh, receiving uh, in that game. Those were all like chunk plays, ten yards plus downfield as opposed to the naggy offense where he wants to three steps seven yards three steps five yards three steps here kind of thing Justin Fields is the opposite he's the one step back in the pocket scan the field find the guy in in the you know that deep third zone uh down there and has like surgical accuracy with the ball for whatever reason we haven't seen it since the Detroit game we just haven't seen it 
It's we've been relying more on the running game. Um, maybe every once in a while we roll out Justin Fields to, to try to get him out in the, the pocket, also give him an opportunity to run, which, he, I mean, he ate up the, the 49ers. I'm sure you saw the highlight for the touchdown uh, and everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was bananas, that moment there. But mm-hmm. yeah, that put him over 100 yards for the day, that touchdown run. So, I mean, that's what Justin Fields is capable of. It's just that for whatever reason, uh, and even though we have a new play caller, we're still running Nagy's offense. They're not really utilizing the opportunity to use the play action. We, we went through this great effort to sign all of this speed in, with our receivers and Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. We already have a speedster in Darnell Mooney. Are we taking shots down the field? No. We're not. And granted, we have a shaky offensive line, but when I know it was against the Lions, but against the Lions, we kept in the tight ends, max protection. We were using chip blocks to give that extra step that the receivers would need to get open. And Justin Fields had a great day. We haven't seen it since. And I don't know why. So if you're telling me we need to challenge your secondary, the Bears are going to do the opposite. They're going to make it easy on the secondary because for whatever reason, they don't have the know how, the wherewithal, or God forbid, the balls to try and challenge the secondary because they just haven't done it. Three weeks in a row, we've had teams that were basically begging us to do it, and we didn't, and we've lost all three of those games. So I don't know what else. I don't know what to expect on Sunday as far as, you know, challenging the leverage of the of the secondary. I don't, I don't know if the Bears are going to do that, if they're just going to stick to what they do and hope that it succeeds uh, in the interim. So, I mean, that's what's been kind of frustrating yeah. dealing with that. So. Uh, that might play to your advantage if you're if you're worried about your secondary. The Bears haven't been in the habit of testing or challenging secondary so far uh, this year, so you might be able to get away with it. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. <laughs> but um, let's let's talk about Najee Harris, because you, you, that was one of the things that had you optimistic about this season uh, going into uh, when we spoke over the summer, like having a solid running back again uh, and, and being able to utilize the running game, use the play action, take some of the weight off of uh, Roethlisberger's shoulders, which is what, you know, I think was apparent 
is what kind of hurts you guys at the end. When you didn't have a running game, you had to rely on Big Ben. So basically, they were daring you to run and, and dropping back and you know protecting against the uh, the pass and everything. And he had a great game last week against the the Browns. And as you were saying, he's kind of been a revelation uh, so far. So it's it's working out so far so good with the rookie. He's playing very well. I mean, Gaji has been making heads up plays. He's been a willing blocker for Ben Roethlisberger in pass protection. Uh, he's been a grinder uh, on third and one, third and one, and fourth and one, which is something they didn't have. You know, James Conner was a willing runner last year, but he wasn't a guy who could create if the offensive line messed up. And Najee Harris is doing that. Um, he's he's proving to be this special pick. Like, and he's not just doing it on the ground. He's also you know catching the ball and making plays. You know, once he once he's caught the ball. Um, he had a game where he caught 14 passes. That's the third most in team history behind two uh, separate Antonio Brown performances. Um, but I'll tell you what, he truly is special. He makes you miss the second level. He's looking for how to exploit a defense. He studies film ridiculously. And he's also a very confident young man who is figuring out um, how to how to show that confidence in the media more. But, like, all the time, he is entertaining. He is He's given us some of our best material um, just by the way that he talks, not just about football, but just, just asks you questions and responds to things and then jokes with reporters. Uh, he's become, you know, one of the more likable Steelers to Steelers fans. So Najee Harris fitting in absolutely well and becoming the focal point of the offense, really, uh, just over the past few, uh, over the past few weeks. But it hasn't really translated to in, into – you know, many points. I mean, enough to win more games than you've lost so far, but it's not really open because the Steelers have been, you know, sometimes more than one of the more prolific offenses as far as scoring points uh, over the years. And even though Najee Harris is doing uh, well, it's what's missing that it's not adding up to the points like it was at the beginning of last year and, and traditionally for the Steelers. Well, part of it is I think Ben Roethlisberger is kind of, uh, He's been in a funk. You know, this is a new offensive coordinator. He hasn't really, you know, been consistent at seeing the field. And if he was, it would open everything else up. I still think that he can get back there. Um, but it's, it's not easy. You know, being, being quarterback is a rough job. And when you're, uh, when you, when you're, if you're not playing well, sometimes your running back will be playing well. So. Uh, I, I put Najee Harris's lack of numbers being on more, especially in the past few weeks. You're seeing defenses just line up and say, we're not letting you beat us. Ben, you got to go beat us with your arm. And yeah. Last couple of times, he's done that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I look at Najee Harris and I see just a big dude who has ex- insane athleticism, insane explosion. Um, but, you know, don't don't read into just the pure stats as much as looking you know watching a Steelers game play out and see how 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 he is able to continue um, to make plays. Yeah, that's kind of been the the tail of the tape for for Justin Fields because statistically he hasn't had that wow game yet. I mean, even in his even in that outstanding game that he had against the Lions Week Four, he threw for two hundred nine yards in that game. And I, mm. I think maybe 220 is where he's topped out so far. I mean, even last week, this past Sunday against the um, 49ers, yeah, he had 103 yards rushing, but, and even though he was 19 for 27, which is a fairly efficient day 
only 175 yards and a touchdown uh, in that game. So it's like he, he's having a bigger impact on the field than he is on the stat sheet. So I guess they, he and Najee Harris kind of fall into the, the same category uh, there where, the, where they're definitely helping more than they're hurting, even though it's not really showing up like to fantasy owners or, or things like things like that. Right. They're, they're, they're helping their team out more than they're helping out their, uh, their fantasy owners um, kind of thing. So, um, so, so you said Ben is, 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 is struggling. Is it, is he, is it because of, I mean, obviously his, his age is going to play into it, but you know, he was coming into this season, you know, healthy. He looked like he was in great shape when he came into camp. Is it the fact that he is what 38, 39 now that he is in year 18 or, or, or whatever it is, it is that he's kind of slowing down and not really seeing the field as well as he did before, or you know, like you were mentioning before. I do think it's more of the latter. There, it's more about him seeing the field. Uh, I think it's it's a lot. A lot has to do with he still has to find his comfort level, not just with the playbook, but also he doesn't. He, for the early part of the season, he didn't trust his offensive line to protect him. Like, I mean, and, and rightfully so, they were getting him, you know, hit all over the place. Um, but as the uh, as the seasons continue, he start you start to see him be more patient in the pocket, and um, that's that's going to allow him to start processing more downfield and and feel more comfortable taking shots that he was not comfortable taking um, through the early part of his season. Um, but there's still been times where he's had plenty of time, plenty plenty of space in the pocket, and he's had open receivers where he hasn't you know cycled through his reads enough. You know, but Ben has gone through these stretches before in the past. You know, it's not his elbow. It's not, you know, it's it's not his lack of mobility, even though that is a problem. Um, you know, but uh, you know, it's it's more about hit up in his head. And I really do think that because of that, if he can turn it around, if he can find some some comfort eventually, he's going to get to a point where he can make really big plays again, and not like you know, four hundred yard games or anything like that, mm. but be more consistent and efficient with the ball in his hands than he has been. Because if he does that, it's going to open up so much more for Najee Harris. It's going to open up a lot more for Deontay Johnson, who has truly emerged as a as a threat at wide receiver. I think it's going to be good for Chase Claypool to get him to be back 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 in the fold as a big playmaker. Um, and then, and, and Pat Fryermuth, do not overlook his importance. He is becoming a, a more reliable tight end every week. Um, and, and I'm not saying this Steelers offense is going to lift itself up and become some, you know, very good unit. But I think they're going to be an adequate unit that can put up points when necessary and then let the defense go close out games. Um, that's what they need to be. And I do think Ben can get there. But it's, a lot of it for me is him. You know, ben Roethlisberger has always been an instinctual quarterback over a theoretical quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. I think Tom Brady, when he goes in the film room, he knows where everyone's supposed to be all the time. And he can, you know, translate that on the field. Ben may see that stuff on film, but he needs to feel that out. He needs to see it for himself. And then once he sees it for himself, he's like, oh, okay, this is what we do in that situation with this receiver and this offensive line and this defense that we're facing. Those sometimes take take a lot more time with him. And the thing is, he's running out of time to do that this year. Um, and he doesn't have, you know, the youth that would let him back in back in the day when he when his reads were wrong or something was off rhythm. He could, you know, shrug a defender off and keep moving, and then and then launch a ball fifty yards downfield. Yeah. So now he has he has to rely on that head on his head a little bit more, and that's been a problem. Yeah, I used to watch, uh, you know, Roethlisberger play or watch the highlights and everything. And as as an old offensive lineman myself, I was like, you know what? Every offensive lineman on his team 
loves and hates Ben Roethlisberger all at the same time because, you know, he would stand back there and he would dance around and he would actually he would sometimes just stand there like a statue waiting for dudes to get off an O-line and blocking their asses off trying to keep that guy uh, clean so he can throw the football. He's moving around the pocket. He's doing this. He's doing that. Are we running downfield to block or do we stay behind the line of scrimmage so you can still throw it uh, and everything? And then he rifles one in there for a 20-yard gain or a big touchdown or whatever, and that's where the love comes because during the play, they hate Roethlisberger. They want to cut him off at the knees so he can just throw the damn ball, man, already. You're killing me here. So, you know, it's just – like to sit there and watch and be like his offensive lineman probably love and hate that guy all at the same time. He he puts them through hell, but he makes it worth it at the end more times uh, than not. So, but you also mentioned you you got a new offensive coordinator. Do you think that the struggle is that he's he's trying to learn a brand new offense in year eighteen of his career? I mean, is it is it so is it so dissimilar from what he's run? Before, because I'm not sure who it, I mean if it was the guy that because the Steelers traditionally have kind of hired their hired from within with their offensive coordinators during Roethlisberger's career. Is this a guy that was was mm-hmm. the wide receiver coach and is the offensive coordinator? Is or is this somebody from the outside? Oh, this is a guy. Last year, he he was the quote unquote quarterback coach in Matt Canada. But okay, it was a very it was very much a one year stint. He was there to to, to kind of sit you know sit with uh, with Mason Rudolph and work with those quarterbacks. Um, but Matt Canada, I, I mean, it's not like he's come up with this entirely new uh, playbook, but he does call things differently. You know, back in back, you know, back under Todd Haley, you know, when, when Ben Roethlisberger was probably playing his most efficient football of his career, you know, there were a lot of plays where he knew where Antonio Brown would be, where Martavis Bryant would be, where Heath Miller would be, where Le'Veon Bell would be. And, and, it was just so much smoother for him to, to do that and to not just do it, but trust that, hey, not my offensive line with Marquis Pouncey and David DeCastro, they're going to hold this up and this guy is going to be able to do this. I trust this. I'm going to go into this. All of that is gone. The offensive line chemistry is gone. You know, his connection and trust with that crew, crew being an elite unit. Um, the, uh, you know, you know the, 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 all the receivers, even Juju was the one receiver that you could say he had a, a good amount of experience with and he's out for the season. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of this is just, again, instinctual and familiarity for Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and, and, yes, there, there are play calls that are different. Matt Canada has always been a guy who, you know, back then he used to be the offensive coordinator for uh, Pitt football back in 2016 when they, mm-hmm. beat, uh, they beat the Clemson Tigers. They were the only team to beat Sean Watson's Clemson uh, that year on their way to a national championship. Okay. Um, but the that that pit offense back then was just so dynamic because it always found the you know, the one man on the offense that the defense was overlooking. Like you know it, they would they would run you know jet sweeps to the fullback and no one would see it coming. They would you know they they would they would set up like triple passes and it would end up in the hands of an offensive tackle who lined up you know on an unbalanced line on the edge so he could technically do that and then he like <laughs> ran into the end those, those are the type of things that Matt Canada used to do all the time in college now they're not doing those type of things with the, uh, on the Steelers offense but like you know they're working in a guy Zach Gentry who's a third string tight end and I, I you know who's like a, I think he's a third or fourth year player out of Michigan who you know now he's become a solid number two tight end blocking and catching the ball nothing crazy but a solid contributor and they're finding guys to fit these different roles. And that's where I think that Ben Roethlisberger is trying to figure out is what is this, 
what is this, you know, what, what are the new tendencies that we go through? Or how do I operate this? Because, you know, a lot of the, especially also a lot of the last, uh, the last OCs, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, whether it was Bruce Arians back in the day, whether it was Todd Haley or, or Randy Feekner, who was the last offensive coordinator, uh, you know, they've all kind of had to have a deference to Ben because this was his offense. And while I think he's starting to understand, like, you know, my time is being passed. I'm not the superstar here anymore. I'm the franchise quarterback, whoever wants to keep winning with. So let me acquiesce to some changes and uh, kind of work with what I got here. Sure. Sure. The one thing also was when you were kind of going through, uh, Ben knew where, where Martavius Bryant was supposed to be. He knew where, you know, Santonio Holmes was supposed to be. He knew where this guy was supposed to be. Those were all guys that he played with for multiple seasons. And the, with Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster out, you've kind of wiped the board clean. It's like even even yeah. though you know uh, Claypool is in his second year uh, and everything, these are guys that are still relatively unfamiliar to Ben. But wasn't he out most of last year with the elbow injury uh, as well? So it's just he, he hasn't played with a lot of these guys as well. So it, it, you know when the way that you were kind of describing it, it kind of feels like I'm I'm similar to Ben Roethlisberger in that I'm a learn by doing kind of guy. I'm not going to be able to learn the offense by having it telestrated for me on the screen. I got to get out there and get my hands dirty uh, kind of thing. So him being surrounded by a bunch of guys that he's not all that familiar with that he doesn't know like the back of his hand, that's what's kind of slow rolling this progress with the offense is kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's a big factor in it. All right. So if the Bears are going to win this game on Monday, um. What do the Bears need to do in order to make that happen? Because the the Steelers, you know, they are four and three, but they haven't been blown out by anybody. I mean, their worst loss of the season, twenty four to ten, uh, to the to the Bengals and everything. So they weren't like run off the field, or at least not by the scoreboard uh, is concerned. Each one of the Bears' five losses, they've lost by double digits, and they've looked really bad. Uh, in the process, so I mean, I could give you a laundry list of things you could do uh, to beat the Bears uh, on Monday. But what would the Bears need to do in order to come away with another win against the Steelers? Well, the big uh, a big factor is stopping Najee Harris. This offense is based on him. You know, you know as much as we talk about Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, against against the Seahawks, they had two really good jet sweep plays. One that went for twenty five yards to Deontay Johnson. Another one that was a touchdown for Eric Ebron. Um, you know, but on both plays, the entire Seattle defense just flowed with Najee Harris. And that opened up the possibility for the jet sweep. Mm. But you got to take him away. Even though the, the threats of those fakes will be there, you, you might need to sell to stop him because he's the biggest factor there. And if you stop him, then you can worry about, you know, coverage and, and, and beating Ben. Um, but if you, but again, if you stop him, beating Ben is that much easier because then you're going to make the Steelers be one dimensional and Ben's just not in his. Is prime anymore to to win one dimensionally, um, even against you know even in, in just like kind of off games. So I, I look at this stop Najee Harris big factor, um, you know limit the big plays. Make sure you're tackling in space. The Steelers love to throw underneath passes, mm-hmm. so watch out for those um, because they will certainly um, they will certainly they will certainly try to try to do that to you. Um, and if I'm the Bears on offense, I'm keeping a balanced attack, see if I can run the ball, run those outside zone stretches I was talking about, see if um, you can find some cracks in their defense, and then when you, when you do, don't be afraid to throw it. Don't be afraid to, to, dink, to dunk and then to eventually take, make the big throw down the field. But the, you do those three things, I think the Bears got a very good shot of winning. 
What's been the key for success for the Bears so far? And this is just, or it seems to be an anomaly in, in all three of our victories so far this year, was in the games where we have created takeaways, forced turnovers, we've won all of those games. We've won all three games where we won the turnover battle. And in the games that we've lost, we, there have either been zero turnovers or we lost the turnover battle. How have the Steelers been as far as hanging on to the, onto the football? And I know this is a Mike Tomlin coach team. How have they been with penalties? Because the Bears have also been very good at not getting out of their own way and you know doing the two steps forward, but then three steps back because there was a flag on, the, on that play that just went for 20 yards. As far as protecting the ball, I think the biggest thing the Steelers have is that sometimes Ben makes a very ill-advised pass, and if you're the other team, you need to capitalize on it and try to bury the Steelers fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as penalties, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do know that Mike Tomlin addressed the penalty situation because there were several times um, where the Browns got extra chances because of, pen- because of penalties. Mm-hmm. Even if some of them were questionable at best, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if if I if I'm looking at you know th- those type of things that Mike Tomlin's going to address, he's certainly going to talk about talk about both of those, and they 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 want to limit the turnovers because they know that if you're if you're protecting the ball, you you're going to be able to eventually capitalize on more opportunities, and when you do, you won't be behind the eight ball because you uh um you did that so. That that's certainly a factor there. Um, turnovers and, and penalties are, are going to be part of it. Uh, the Steelers are always talking about playing their style of football. Um, I think defensively, they have an idea of what their style of football is. I think offensively, they're still figuring they're still figuring that out. <laughs> All right. So I mean, it, it's you know you, you're 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 a lifetime lifelong uh, Steeler fan. So you've uh, how old are you? I am thirty two. Thirty two. So you're. So you've been, you know, you've been around for plenty of these matchups, even though we only play once every uh, four years. Uh, you know, like we said, mm-hmm. the, the last three matchups have been victories for the Bears, 09, 2013, 2017. have been odd years for, for the Bears in all three of those years. 09 was the home debut of Jay Cutler. It was a week two matchup between the Bears and the Steelers. And somehow he, he led the final drive to we got a game-winning field goal for Robbie Gold to win that one in 2009, 2013, we talked about um, was uh, Mark Tressman's first year. So we we had this awesome offense in 2013. We couldn't play defense to save our lives, even though I remember the the icing in that game was uh, Julius Peppers. Like I don't know, was it a fumble recovery or a pick six? I always remember. All I know is that Peppers scored a ran one back for a touchdown in that one, and then 2017. It was one of the oddest games I've ever experienced in my life, which the the blocked kick just before halftime. Marcus Cooper stops running about 10 yards before the goal line, gets run down from behind. Was it – I, I had – I think the, it was Jesse James. No, it wasn't Jesse James. It was uh, – oh, God. What did I say? It was Vance, Vance McDonald? There you go. Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald. That was the one. Rips the ball out of his hands. And after like a 20-minute conference, it's decided the Bears have the ball at the one-yard line or something like that. And we have to settle for a field goal. And because it was a field goal and not a touchdown, it turns out we go to overtime. And then somehow, you know, the Bears score a touchdown, but it's called back because Kareem Cohen stepped out. And then a few plays later, uh, you know, Jordan Howard runs it in to finally – uh, win us the game. I mean, just some weird, wicked game. 
uh, you know, in this in this series. And and hmm. now we're we're going back to Pittsburgh. It's going to be on Monday night. Do you know? Is it going to be a Manning cast? I don't know if. Have you heard? Is it going to be a Manning? No, cast? the Manning cast is off. The oh, Manning cast is off. So. Come on. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Uh, uh, although I guess I'm not. I'll be in the press box, so I mean I wouldn't be able right, to watch the Manning right, cast anyways. But right. it is disappointing when I saw that. I was like, man, but. You know, but hey, the Mannings—they got juice, man. They know what they—they they know they negotiated well. They said, you know, we're not—we're not Steelers Bears. Why would we do that one? So, um, <laughs> you know, they're—they're kind—you of, know—they're doing that. But it will be an exciting time. Yeah. Um, I'll be—I'll be there at Heinz Field. The Steelers announced they're wearing their color rush jerseys, which that really gets the fans amped up. They love their old school block letter style jerseys and uh, the gold on the, the the black on the gold. So, um, should be a very interesting night. Wait, what are they going to wear? The color rush jersey. Color rush. So, what color will the jerseys be? So the jerseys are black. Okay. The, it, it's it, it's just that the, instead of like like uh, white numbers, they have gold numbers, and the numbers I are see. a little bit bigger. Okay. Um, you, you had me worried then, there for the, a second because I am a. And then, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and then the pants—they're just black with a gold stripe down the side. I, I see. mean, they they are they are pretty fly. Okay, so they're doing the black on black thing. I got you. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm what uh, I like to say, I'm a self-professed uniform snob, and you just made my heart skip a beat because you made it sound like the black on gold, which I thought meant black numbers on a gold jersey, which automatically made me kind of throw up in my mouth uh, a little bit because that just sounds awful. Listen, man, uh, not, n- nothing can be worse than the Bumblebee jersey they wore like <laughs> like eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, you're right. Those were the, those, those those were, were the worst things I've ever seen. People bad. around here love them now. They're like, they're like oh, yeah, it was, was a great time. I'm like, no, those things were ugly. Whoever came up with them needs need to be fired. Well, that's, that's me when uh, the Chicago Pumpkins <laughs> uh, play in their orange jerseys oh, uh, once okay, a year. That was, that was weird. Those are atrocious, yeah, and, and and I curse. Yeah. I love Akeem Hicks. He's one of my favorite players on the team. I curse him for being the guy that kind of started the uh, petition, if you will, to bring back the orange jerseys because they'd gone away. I hated the orange jerseys, oh, and I wow. think like 2012 they stopped wearing them, and we hadn't worn them until like I think a year or two ago Akeem Hicks started I think somebody photoshopped Akeem into an orange jersey or something and he's like yeah let's bring these back well what happened that year they wore those those jerseys twice here's the thing not only are they so goddamn ugly we don't win when we wear them we don't win when we wear them so not only do we look bad we don't win when we wear them so I hate them twice over over and my listeners love to tease me about it they love the team. We're wearing the orange jerseys this weekend, Larry. <laughs> or, hey, I got the new Justin Fields jersey in orange. Check it out. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, I absolutely hate it. Hate it. But we'll be in. You guys will be wearing the black on black with the gold numbers. And the. I think I can dig that for sure. That uh, Just like trying to visualize that, I dig it. And we're also wearing the best uniforms in the NFL with the white, white tops and the blue bottoms. Doesn't get much better than that. So it should be a pretty – Pretty game to look at as far as how we're how we're dressed on the field for me and my uh, you know uniform snob sensibilities and whatnot. So should be <laughs> should be interesting. So, but I'm interested to see how this game is going to shake out. More so because I have no idea what to expect from my Bears anymore. I have no idea because you know we'll we 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 couldn't we we had success running the football and then in the second half, even in a close game, we kind of abandoned. Uh, the run uh, we were we 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 like I told you before we were taking our shots downfield with Justin Fields back week four uh, against the Lions and we haven't really seen it 
since we're, we're not giving this guy that could throw a football through a steel wall an opportunity to, you know, stretch his wings a little bit with, with throwing the football uh, and, and everything. We're not protecting him uh, when he's, you know, trying to drop back and, and we're leaving our tackles on an island. So I really just can't wait for this season to be over so we can get rid of this coaching staff and bring in one that will better suit what we actually have. Because I feel like it's uh, ever since 2019, because in 2018, anything Matt Nagy tried seemed to work. But ever since then, the rest of the NFL caught up to him and have been able to sniff him out. Nothing that he tries to do uh, works, and he just seems to want to fit the team into the mold of his offense as opposed to using the players that he has to you know, have succeed, push them in the best position to succeed. So uh, I envy the Steelers who have, in my lifetime, have three head coaches. I'm 43 years old. You had three head coaches my entire lifetime, Chuck Noll, um, Cower, Bill Cower, Bill Cower. Thank you. And now, uh, Mike Tomlin. So, you know, and me on the other hand, uh, started with Ditka and actually there was somebody before Ditka, but that was when I was too little to care, but Ditka. And then it's been, you know, a menagerie of idiots, uh, since then. So, uh, minus Lovey Smith, of course, who was a godsend that we decided to fire after a 10 and six season back. Yeah. In still don't get that one. Nope. Anyway, uh, Chris, thanks so much uh, for coming on and helping me talk about uh, this one. Whenever I'm kind of shaky going into a game, I have often found talking to, uh, you know, talking to someone from the other team makes me feel better. Not so much this time around, man, because I don't trust my team. I, like I said, I have no idea what to expect uh, on Monday, but I'm hoping that history will will help the Bears and we have more luck against the Steelers that we've had in the in the past, if not, I just hope we don't embarrass ourselves the way we have in our other five losses. So uh should be an interesting game. And uh, like I said, the uniforms ought to make it fun to watch at least. Yeah, it will be. It should be a fun one. I'm very much looking forward to Monday night. All right. So where can we uh, catch you online? Uh, follow me on Twitter, that kind of thing. Yeah, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can listen to my Monday through Friday Locked On Steelers podcast. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Um, all my Steelers breakdowns there. I'm also on the Friday episodes of the Locked On NFL podcast that gets you a review of Thursday night football and talks about you know what we're looking at heading into the, each weekend of football. Nice. Um, I also write for DKPittsburghSports.com. If you want to read about the uh, college phenom quarterback Kenny Pickett that's taken over a lot of conversations as far as NFL draft talk, uh, I've been doing a lot of work covering him with, with Pitt football. So check out check out that work at DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, but you can read, you can you can see all the links to it on my Twitter page uh, at Carter Critique. Yeah, you sound like uh, you sound like Hugh Myers there from Locked On Raiders. You got a, you're the man with a thousand jobs out there. Actually, Keon uh, is my co-host on those fri- on those yes, uh, Fridays. I know. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So we are uh, we 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 very much we we think alike in how we have to juggle like twenty things. Yeah, yeah. Hugh's a good guy, man. I like him a lot. So um, yeah, he's the man. Uh, you know, it's weird what's going on with the Raiders right now. You know, the, 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 oh, the, the, the Gruden thing. And, you know, they re they respond with two wins after they let Gruden go. And now rugs literally killed someone last night going, did you, did you 156 miles an hour driving? Yeah. Last, 156, 156. And he blew a, and he blew a, a 0.161 oh blood, uh, blood alcohol content. Like that, that's, idiotic and irresponsible it is so like irresponsible man yeah. i mean it just it's just yeah I, I i mean not to get on my soapbox or anything but it's just not something that i've really ever understood for ever for athletes 
ever. You know, like I don't drink and I never have, but I don't judge people that do. But I judge the hell out of athletes when they drink and drive. I'm glad because I drink a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I listen, I drink a lot. Like, listen, but but here's the thing. Yeah. I am not, I I, I ain't making millions or or six figures even out here. I'm, I'm making, I'm making decent money, but I, I, even myself, you know, if, if I won, you pay more attention to yourself. Cause like you can have a light beer and then be like, okay, let me drink a couple of waters. Let me eat some food. All right. Now I can drive right. um, just to be safe. But you don't, you don't go out. I mean, the, the, the reports that he had 18 shots of alcohol <laughs> with several mixed drinks. I can't. I don't know if I've had eighteen shots. Uh, well, I went to law school. Let me take that back. Uh, I, I've, I, um, but, but that that many shots of alcohol is irresponsible. Yes. I don't really myself. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like I like I said. I've I've never been one of those people that looks down on those that drink because I don't or or anything like that. It's just that's just a choice I made for myself. But like I said, I judge the hell out of out of athletes who drink and drive. You're just not only are you putting yourself and other people at risk, it's like all that you've worked so hard to, to get and to earn in this world. And you're going to piss it all oh, away to make such a selfish decision like that, to go out and, and, and drive and and whatnot. And even before Uber, you have a cab, you can, you know, order a limo. You have I mean, and God knows these guys aren't going out by themselves. They have friends or, and or entourages, depending on who we're talking about. Somebody else couldn't be driving. Right now, but right. you got to do 156 in Vegas with a loaded. What what's with the gun? Also, where are you going? You need a gun. I don't get it. But anyway, it's really unfortunate what the Raiders are going through uh, this year. Just when they thought they've recovered from one crisis, they have another one falling in their lap, and they had to cut a guy they just drafted in the first round last year. It's it's really bad uh, for them out there. So anyway, Chris, this has been great, man. Thanks so much uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, Good luck on uh, Monday, and we hope to talk to you again real soon. Hey, that'd be great, Larry. Thanks for having me on. As always, want to thank my guest, Chris Carter, from the Locked On Steelers podcast you can also catch him on locked on nfl on fridays with our other good friend uh q myers from locked on raiders they you know cover everything they recap thursday nights like chris said uh talk about the uh weekend ahead uh in the games uh therein so uh give that a listen uh if you will <sighs> so you know it was like i was telling chris usually i try to have some after i speak to the opponents uh you know going into the game, I always kind of feel better. I felt better talk when I talked to Oscar last week going into the 49er game. Um, uh, th- but this one, I just, like I said, I just, I do not know what to expect from the Bears. We, we, we know what we would like them to do. And it, it's turning into, like on the deep dive preview episode, that keys to the game should, should actually, we just should, should name the segment, things the Bears won't do on Sunday, or in this case, Monday. Uh, let's test the secondaries. Let's push the ball downfield. Let's run some play action. Yeah, that's going to be a no, a no, and a no again. Uh, we're just going to run the football and then drop uh, fields back uh, with our five offensive linemen on an island against awesome edge rushers and see what happens. So, yeah, I 
<laughs> it's key, like I said, keys to the game should now be named things the Bears won't do on Monday. So, um, but so I was like, I don't know what to expect, and we we don't know if the defense is is going to be able to rebound. Um, the there hasn't been any word yet uh, on Khalil Mack uh, coming back this week, or if the Bears are going to rest him and put him on IR for a few weeks and everything. It's like I I don't think that's likely now. Like he may he's I I don't think he's likely to play on Monday. But because if the Bears if the Bears were going to put him on IR, they should have done it before the San Francisco game. Um so that he would have been on because he has to miss three games. So it would be four weeks actually with the bye. So he'd miss San Francisco, Pittsburgh, the bye week, and the Ravens before he could play again against the um against the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. So it's like if they're going to put him on IR, then we're not going to get him back until December. So to hell with that. So maybe he won't play on Monday against the Steelers. He'll have the bye week, and then hopefully he'd be back against the Ravens if he doesn't play this week. So I don't know. The Bears have made some transactions today that um, our good friend Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery thought might be a precursor to Mac playing this weekend. So we'll look more into that uh, tomorrow. But... You know, it's just we don't know if the defense is going to be able to bounce back. If And if Khalil Mack comes back, will he actually be able to kind of step back into the role that he had before? Will the defense be whole again? Because we, 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 got, we got Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn back in last week's game, but no Khalil Mack. We were, you know, we were ineffective. We couldn't stop the run. We couldn't, uh, you know, we're getting eaten up in the middle of the field in, in the passing game uh, and things like that. Nearly 500 yards of offense, 33 points allowed. Uh, we didn't force a punt the entire football game. And remember, we had the 49ers in the shadow of their own goalpost, third and 19, and they turned that situation into the biggest play of the game. So our defense has a lot to answer for. Uh, and, and, you know, with the... We're, we're going against the perfect offense this week for them to be able to bounce back, okay? We're better against, I, I think, statistically it probably doesn't look that way, but we're better against the run than we are against the pass, and we're playing against a team that's not a high-powered, explosive, you know, break-the-scoreboard-with-points-type offense. They're a run-the-ball, play-defense team just like we are. So this could be one of those games where – you know, maybe we hang around and maybe we can take advantage of something uh, at the end of the game to to pull away or to get a victory or what have you. So I don't know. But like I said, we'll talk more about that and deep in, you know, when we deep dive uh, into things. But, it, it, it you know, usually I, I come away from those conversations feeling better uh, about it. But just because I, I have no... I have no idea what we're going to do as a team. I don't trust. I don't trust the Bears right now. So I, I just don't know how to feel uh, about it. I feel better knowing, you know, that uh, it it wouldn't take a Herculean effort for the Bears to win this game uh, on Monday night. But uh, the things that seem so simple to do often seem to be the things that the Bears ignore or do the opposite of. You know, we, it's becoming an epidemic ever since that Lions game last year. Well, even before then, but it's just like ever since that Lions game, more and more on the day after for, you know, the football after show with Olin Krutz and Alex Browns and Lance Briggs. Love that show, by the way. Uh, you know, listening to Hogan Johns, our good friend Lauren Cox on 
uh, Locked on Bears and the various other, you know, like every time they talk about it, uh, because of Justin Fields, the Bears get talked a lot about uh, on, on Get Up and on Good Morning Football and things like that. They all seem to have the same opinion about what the Bears could slash should be doing you know that that goes in line was like man that's exactly what i was thinking and then you every podcast that i listen to and like i said and stuff like that all like this is what the bears should be doing it's like and that's just what builds the frustration inside which is why i went bananas after the lions game because it was just um you know this was the lions game last year that the one that we lost it's like what if it's so obvious i mean to literally everybody from various levels of experience and knowledge of the game and so on. Why is it so, why does it appear to be so goddamn oblivious to our head coach and the powers that be with the bears, the guys putting the game plan together and, and, and all that. It's like, why does this keep happening? And you know, it's like, if, if the, the pattern keeps repeating itself, then it just, I just think you got to just call it incompetence and walk away from it. You know what I mean? So Hopefully the Bears do. If we lose this game on Monday, I very much want to hear on Tuesday that Nagy's gone. I, I, I will basically demand it. If, no matter what the circumstances are, if we lose, we're three and six. The season is done. We are done. We're in the midst of a four-game losing streak with the Ravens on the other side of the bye week. That's going to be a five-game losing streak, even if it's at home, uh, which it will be. We go on the road to Thanksgiving where weird stuff happens on Thanksgiving all the time. You know, can the, uh, can the Lions beat us for their first win of the year on Thanksgiving Day? Wouldn't that just be the nail in the coffin? Maybe the Bears would then, if they, if, you know, let Nagy hang around. If we lose game number six, you know, on us, if we lose that game to the Lions, that's our sixth loss in a row. For the second year in a row, the Lions will be our sixth straight loss. Will that be the one? Will the will they then use the mini buy to let Nagy go? Who knows? But you know, I don't know what to expect from this team, so I don't I don't really know um, where my confidence level is. So that's what's kind of messed up right now. But um, anyway, guys, that's gonna do it for the for the show. We'll we'll wrap it up here, and uh, we'll talk more about this in the deep dive uh, preview. Uh, tomorrow get you ready for the weekend and get you ready for bears Steelers for week number nine and wrap up this first half this is the for the bears this being the ninth game of the season this is the literal midway point of the year we have eight games before and eight games after this ninth game on monday so let's uh Oh, let's make it a good one. Even if we have to lose, let's at least look competent out there. We've looked so bad in all of our losses this year. Uh, I would really just appreciate it. Like, God forbid, if we have to lose, how about we lose on a last second field goal and, you know, after a knockdown drag out affair that, you know, people will talk about for years. How about one of those games? Can we have one of those games, please? Even if we have to lose it, I would much rather walk away from it and be like, dude, I know we lost that game, but holy shit, that game was awesome. So much fun to watch. So exciting. Blah, blah. When's the last time the Bears played one of those? You know, I would really just, I would really like to see the Bears play an awesome game. It's just, that would be great. But anyway, come on back tomorrow. We'll get, uh, we'll get the preparation all wrapped up. We'll do keys to the game. We'll do uh, news and notes. Find out where we are with our injury report. 
who might play, will we get Khalil back, and, and all the rest of that stuff. Uh, so come on back for that tomorrow. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.